executive that just picked up his brand new BMW from the, from the showroom and as you can imagine he had to take it out for a test drive and so he got out on the open road and got it going and went up into the mountains and started going in the corners and another corner another corner it was just the handling was amazing and he was just just rejoicing in that and you know he came up to this corner and it, the corner was a bit came up a bit quicker than what he was really expecting and all of a sudden oh no I'm not going to make it around this corner and at the very last moment, he opened the door and just, just jumped out as he saw his pride and joy plummeting over the edge right down the cliff and bursting in a big ball of flames at the bottom. Oh, no. Oh, no. When help arrived, here he is. He's standing at the rail saying, oh, my BMW, my BMW. And the guy that came along said, are you crazy? It's just a car. You've torn off your left arm. And the guy said, Oh, my Rolex watch, my Rolex watch. Isn't it funny how life has a habit of distorting our perspectives on reality sometimes? <laughs> you know, helping us, you know, we, we get a wrong twist on things sometimes. Well, this morning what I'd like to do is help us to get God's perspective on living in the 21st century and living today because I think we need to see life from God's angle. Wouldn't you agree? We need to see it as God sees it. And He sees things a lot different to what we do. Let's, let's face it. So, you know, I believe, friends, that God is continually speaking into our lives and speaking over us. And it's so good and valuable for us to hear and listen to what He's saying to us. Um, so, you know, we have the Bible. Um, I meant to bring along a hard copy Bible this morning, but if it's on your phone, that's okay. Or if you've got a hard copy one there, you know, yes, thank you, Neil. Can you wave that around a bit more? We've got, we've got the, the, the full, the logos of God that is called. It's, you know, it's the full counsel of God. It's everything that God has spoken to us, the logos of God. Then we've got the, the rima of God. These are Greek words, okay, but that just means the twice quickened word or or the word that God specifically zeroes in on your heart. Who's ever had one of those? Huh? Look, realistically, most of us would have had. If, if this, someone's preaching or you're listening to something on, you know, you're listening to a, I was about to say a CD, but what's a CD? You're listening to something or on your phone or, and, and you just know that's a word for you today. You just know that's what God is saying to you today. That's a, a quickened word that, well, that's an old word too. That's a, a word that comes alive in your mind, in your heart, and you know that God is speaking to you. And then we've got, um, what about the created world? You know, um, out, out there uh, in, in the creation of God, it, the Bible tells us that creation is shouting God's praise or is telling us the story of God all the time. And I love this verse, if we can stick it up on the screen. It says in Psalm 19, the heavens are telling of the greatness of God and the great open spaces above show the work of His hands. Now, I love that word telling there. It's a very good word. It says it, what it means in the original language is to count or to recount or tell a story. And so the heavens and the created world is telling us the story of God. 
And if we can just get a hold of that, the majesty of what God is doing. You know, there's so many parts in the natural, we call it the natural world, but really it's the created world. So many parts of the natural world that scientists and educated people just don't know yet and don't understand. I, I was reading a little while ago, um, you know, that there are, it's believed that in some areas there are uh, thousands of species that haven't even been discovered yet. There's so much of the natural world we don't world that we don't even know about just yet. But I, I love that Psalm 19 when you read it, the very start of that psalm, and it says, it says for for the choir director or for the for the music director. And I, I can imagine David. Uh, King David, when he, when he had that inspiration, he's, he's just praying, he's spending time with God one day, and all of a sudden this revelation comes to him about these words, this poem and this song, and he flicks off a quick note, maybe it was an email or something, I don't know, to the, to the muso, music director. He says, hey, listen, we should sing this song. This is so cool, we've got to sing this. And he says, you know, the heavens... are recounting the story of God. And what I want to do this morning, folks, is just to share with us a verse of Scripture that really joins the God story that we're all a part of to something that happened a long time ago to help us get some perspective on it and some context. I, I, I want us to, I hope you can get a hold of this this morning. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, there's this amazing verse of scripture and it says this to Jesus the mediator of a new or the or the go-between or the the one who helps us understand the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel Abel we're talking this morning friends about a better word getting something in your heart that you can speak out that's better than what you're hearing out there on the street that's what I want I want to share with you this morning and I want to tell you this morning, friends, that the blood of Jesus is talking to us today and it's bringing a better word than some other things that you might hear elsewhere. To understand this, we've got to go back to the starting point of creation and the world's very first family. Now, you've heard about Adam and Eve, you know, you know Adam and Eve, and their two sons, Cain, the, older, the first one, and then they had another son called Abel, Cain and Abel. And let's read it uh, from Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. It says, Time passed, and Cain, Cain was a farmer, by the way. He's like a market gardener, horticulturalist. And Abel was like a grazier. He had maybe cattle, maybe sheep, we're not sure, but it's animals. And so, time passed, and Cain brought an offering to God from the produce of his farm. Abel also brought an offering, but from the firstborn animals of his herd. Choice cuts of meat. Now, God liked Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering didn't get God's approval. Now, there's reasons for that. We, we, we can't go into it this morning, but um, it's actually a fascinating study. Cain lost his temper and went into a sulk. Because, you know, God approved of his brother's offering, but didn't approve of his. And God spoke to Cain and said, why this tantrum? Why the sulking? If you do well, won't you be accepted? And if you don't do well, 
be very, you know, be very careful here because sin is lurking in wait for you. It's ready to pounce. It's out to get you, and you've got to master it. And I want to tell us this morning, friends, for every one of us in this room, we have the same problem. There's a thing called sin, or it just means to miss the mark or, or to fail or to, to not meet up to God's standard of behavior. And it's, it's out there trying to get us the whole time. Fortunately, you know, we've got some powerful weapons on our side. And we're going to share about that a bit later on this morning. So Cain had words with his brother. Actually, some translations say, Cain said to his brother, let's go out in the field. They were out in the field and Cain came at Abel, his brother, and killed him. And God said to Cain, as you would expect, where is Abel, your brother? Cain said, how should I know? Am I his babysitter? It's become a famous line in our popular culture. Am I my brother's keeper? In other words, don't expect me to look out for someone else. I'm looking after numero uno, number one. Which is not the way to go, by the way. God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is calling to me from the ground. It's important that we understand here that inanimate objects have a voice. It's not just people and things that have a mouth that speak. God says, the voice of your brother's blood is calling to me from the ground. From now on, you'll get nothing but curses from this ground. And it goes on to talk about the various consequences that came from Abel's actions. He killed his brother. And I just think about this, you know, Eve, their mother, she must have loved her firstborn son. It's actually possible, and some commentators have said that, it's possible that Eve might have thought maybe Cain was to be the promised deliverer. The one who would come and would set them free from the problem of sin that, had, was, that bound them both, Eve and her husband, Adam. But in the process of time, when Adam's, when Cain's offering wasn't accepted, he killed his brother. And what happened is that, what, what this says to us, friend, is that the world is a very broken place. And I want us to understand this morning, you all know it, the same kind of brokenness that happened way back there, thousands of years ago, we still see in the world today. It's still in the world today. This week I was uh, watching an interview um, on, I think, SBS, about racism in the U.S. And uh, it, was, it was to do with George Floyd. You've all heard the, word, heard the name George Floyd and, and what happened, the tragic uh, killing of George Floyd, you know, police operation that was a, just went totally wrong. It was a disaster. And what happened is that triggered around the world a massive outcry for justice and retribution around the whole world. Of course, it's been going on for a long time, but, but um, that's, that's a thing that happens uh, around, around the world. There is this cry for justice. And you know what? It's exactly the same as what happened when Abel was killed because God said, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. It's crying out for justice. It's a cry for judgment and justice. 
But the Bible tells us, and this is the wonderful thing, friends. The Bible says that the, the blood of Jesus speaks something far better than just a cry for justice and judgment and retribution. It actually speaks over us a whole heap of other things that I want to share with you this morning. Let's look at what it says today. The blood of Jesus, number one, I believe is, is a cry for forgiveness rather than retribution. Forgiveness. Today is, uh, you may have seen it on the news also, um, called I, I Forgive Sunday. It's been uh, proclaimed nationally as a day for forgiveness. And it just happens to be that I'm sharing this about this this morning. But um, around the world, in, in Australia, churches are sharing messages about forgiveness. Um, and it was initiated by a, a Christian family from Sydney called Daniel and Leela Abdallah, whose three children were killed when a drunk and drug-affected driver of his car, ran up on the footpath and just killed their three children, plus another child as well. It was a relative. Four children just killed instantly. And they were devastated, of course, as you can imagine by this. But over a period of time, they this happened two years ago, on the 1st of February, 2020. And they found it within their heart to be able to forgive the driver of that car even though he was totally out of control with you know, drugs and alcohol. And, and, uh, and they approached the federal government and said, we want to set up a foundation and we want to promote the idea of forgiveness because it's such a key thing in all of our healing for all of us who've been affected by family trauma of any kind. And even if you haven't been, forgiveness is such a great key for your own wholeness and well-being and they these are some words that they've said they said find someone you can forgive or someone you can ask for forgiveness from so that's a challenge to each one of us today go and find someone that you can forgive or someone you can ask for forgiveness from and they said forgiveness is the greatest gift you can give yourself and others and it's it's more for the forgiver than for the forgiven. It's about you finding freedom. It's about you finding release in your heart. It's so important, friends, that we understand that, that we have been both forgiven by God, not only, not only forgiven, but also acquitted. That means to de declare not guilty. And I want to share some scriptures with this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, it says, I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. Now, I know that you've heard this many times, that, um, that you have been forgiven through, you know, through what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's wonderful. Um, and if you can just imagine someone in a, in, in a court case um, uh, that, is, that is perhaps declared, you know, declared guilty of, of what they've done, but then someone comes along and says, well, you, you're, you're now going to be forgiven. So you're guilty, but forgiven after you've done that thing whatever it was so we are forgiven which acknowledges our guilt but jesus takes us the second step the next part let's let's look at john 3 17 god didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger 
telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. And anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Now, that's actually beyond forgiveness. Because what that tells us is, yes, I'm guilty and God has forgiven me. And then he goes the next step and says, you're actually declared not guilty. You've been acquitted. That means the case has been thrown out of court. You are declared not guilty in God. And this is so important for us to understand, friends, because every day the devil is going to be coming, like Paul shared before, and, and trying to put doubts in your mind or trying to say you're not worthy or to say God hasn't forgiven you or, you know, who, who are you to think that you can be forgiven? Who, do you, who are you to think that God will love you? He's always going to be sowing some negativity in your mind. But if you know absolutely and utterly that you have been forgiven and declared not guilty, you can just tell it to the devil. Tell him to get lost. Tell him to go. Tell him, don't come back again. I don't want to hear that sort of stuff. The key thing is God forgave you and me, so we need to forgive other people, of course. That's, that's something that the blood of Jesus is speaking over us today. Forgiveness rather than retribution. Second thing, I believe the blood of Jesus is speaking over us reconciliation instead of conflict and reconciliation first between us and God, but also between us and each other. Uh, it's, it's very important we get a hold of this. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Just for a moment, let's think about that word. Uh, it's on your notes there. Um, reconciliation. What does it mean in the, in the original language? It's, it's from a couple of words. The first one, it's this like catalasso. And it says the first part, kata, means, it's a prefix that means to drill down to the exact detail. That's what it means, to, to drill down to the exact detail. And then the second part means to change. As in, um, if, if, we, if there's a breach of relationship, and we know we've got to, we've got to find a point of compromise in the middle, uh, two parties are reconciled uh, when they're changing to the same position. So what he's really saying is, God was reconciling the world to himself and he was going right down to the detail so that we could become of one mind with him. He was reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You know, when there's a, a breach in a relationship, you know, between people, um, you know, the common approach is to say something like, "We well, you know, look what you did to us. You know, look how you've affected us. Or look how you've offended us. Or, uh, you know, what you did, we can never accept or we can never, never welcome you again or we can never tolerate what you did to us. The gap is too wide. It can never be mended again. But Jesus' blood speaks over us words of reconciliation, reconciling the world to himself first and then giving us the message or the ministry of reconciliation so that we can be reconciled to one another. And I, and I believe this this morning, friends, that people can be brought together, that, that broken relationships can be mended in Jesus. You know, there's uh, lots of other scriptures that talk about this and, and um, images in the Bible like 
you know, broken fish nets that, are, that need fishing nets that need to be mended and tied together, or, or broken bones that need to be set. And, you know, uh, often in relationships, as that fracturing takes place. But God has given us the ministry and the message of reconciliation. What a wonderful thing that is. Thirdly, I believe the blood of Jesus speaks over us today a word about mercy, mercy instead of judgment. And I've shared this before, that, that grace is getting what I don't deserve, but mercy is not getting what I do deserve. And so, you know, God's mercy is extended to us. I'm thinking of a, a passage in, um, in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus has just called his disciple Matthew uh, to follow him. And not long after that, might have even been the same day, I'm not sure, but very soon after that, Matthew held a party one night and he invited all of his friends. He was a tax collector. Okay, so that means he was uh, a pretty self-contained, uh, I don't care about anyone else kind of person. And tax collectors in this day were uh, notoriously unscrupulous. And uh, so he brought along all of his friends who were all pretty disreputable characters. And, of course, the religious people of Jesus' day saw this and they said, <laughs> they've got, they said this, um, I'm not sure if I put it up there or not. Um, they said to Jesus, you know, why, why are you meeting with these disreputable people or, or such scum was the word that, but the way he used, they used, the word that he used. They used and because they had no concept of showing mercy but Jesus came and he said he said to those religious people hey listen go home and learn what this means God wants you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices in other words I'm not interested in your religious exercises I'm not interested in what you call your religion that makes you feel better about yourself what God is looking for is people who need help and he wants to show mercy to these broken people. That's what Jesus said. And I want to say this morning, friends, that it's so central to the heartbeat of God to show mercy to people. And the blood of Jesus, I believe, is speaking mercy over us today, each one of us. And the last thing is that I believe the blood of Jesus speaks over us freedom instead of bondage. Because sin's power is broken. You know when John the Baptist uh, came and, and he was just before Jesus began his public open ministry and, and John the Baptist was baptizing people one day and Jesus was there in the crowd and he said as Jesus walked toward him he said behold or take note people this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and, and I think of that you know sometimes we can think well was he just saying oh Jesus deals with the consequences of sin. Is that, is that what he meant? Uh, I think it went beyond that. I, I think he meant that Jesus breaks the power of sin in our life completely. And I want to share with you this morning, going back to uh, Hebrews, uh, where, we, where we started today, where it talks about the blood of sprinkling. And it says, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, it says, For Jesus, or Christ, didn't enter the earthly version of the holy place. You know, in the Old Testament, there was, uh, they had lots of rules and laws and regulations. And there was a temple, a place where, where the, the priests would, would minister. And once a year, the high priest 
would come and they would make animal sacrifice. And the high priest would bring uh, some blood from that animal sacrifice and go into the very holy place before God and sprinkle that once a year. It was to make atonement for, the, for, his, for his own sins and also the sins of the people. And what happened is, we don't have absolute clarity on this, but the Bible, I believe, is teaching us that when Jesus died and he rose into heaven, that he actually fulfilled that Old Testament picture and he actually went right into the very presence of God and demonstrated that his life was taken as a sacrifice for all of humanity. Let's read what it says. He didn't enter the earthly version of the holy place like the Old Testament priest. He entered the place itself in heaven and offered himself to God as the sacrifice for our sins. Now, if you read that in the original language, it's, it's remarkable. It says that he, he came and he appeared before God in heaven. Now, you've heard this before when thinking about court cases. Um, if you've ever been to a court case or you, you watch the news and they say, oh, so-and-so had to appear in court, it's a word that often gets used that uh, someone as a witness, maybe you're a witness, maybe um, if uh, someone is, is going to court as their a defendant or I mean they're a person who's been accused of something, whatever, but they had to they had to, to make their appearance in court. And it's the same kind of legal term or it carries the same meaning that Jesus appeared in the presence of his Father in heaven, demonstrating that he was absolutely conquer conqueror and the victorious over sin. Another translation says, he, he entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And then in the next verse, 26, it says, He has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. You know, there's nothing unusual about Jesus appearing in heaven before his, his Father. You, you would expect that to happen. But here's the remarkable thing. He appeared in heaven for, for us, for you and I on behalf of us, on behalf of you and me. He didn't just go there because it was natural for him to go there. He went there, it says, for us, for you and me. He appeared in the court of heaven for us. And I believe it's why Jesus, when he was on the cross, he spoke these words, it is finished, it is finished. The price has been paid. The plan of redemption has been fulfilled at that point and then he went and appeared in heaven in the court of heaven for us friends the blood of jesus sprinkled shows us speaks for us for us today volumes about the heartbeat of god for us that it's about forgiveness it's about mercy it's about reconciliation it's about god's grace for us it's about freedom from not only the consequences but i believe the bondage to sin as well his words to us today are all about freedom and deliverance and i want to ask you this morning i'll ask if our creative team can come back uh, now i want to ask you today have you received his forgiveness have you received the forgiveness that he offers to each one of us this morning and do you do you know in your heart today that 
you've been reconciled to him, that that breach or that distance between you and God has been brought together again, that you know that you've come right into God's presence. And you can, you can just come to him as a father and say, Dad, I, I love you, and to know that he loves you today. Are you ready to let go of that thing that continually plagues your life, knowing that God is setting you free today? Because oftentimes we can be held back and we can be contained by things that continue to plague us. And I believe that Jesus' blood sets the captives free. He came to set the captives free today. If that's you today and you want someone to pray with you, we're going to stand up in a moment. Let's stand up right now. We're going to begin to sing. Thank you.